Are you curious about what it's like working in healthcare today? Do you believe in the power of storytelling? I'm Dr. Emily Silverman, the host of the Nocturnist podcast, where healthcare workers share personal stories of joy, sorrow, and self-discovery. Each episode, whether a compelling performance from one of our live shows, an intimate series of audio diaries from one of our documentaries, or an engaging conversation with guests such as book authors or filmmakers, aims to connect, provoke, and inspire. Learn more at thenocturnist.com or subscribe to The Nocturnist wherever you get your podcasts. The truth is everybody is terrified of coronavirus. And so nobody said, no, I refuse. I'm coming the next day. You know, everybody is like respectful and kind and sort of infinitely gracious and says that they understand and, and they leave quietly um, at the end of the day. It's Thursday, April 2nd. I'm Dan Gorenstein. This is Tradeoffs. Like many hospitals around the country, Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston recently announced that, for the safety of patients and staff, most visitors are no longer welcome. Today, from the Annenberg Studio at the University of Pennsylvania, Daniela Lamas, a critical care doctor in the Brigham's ICU, talks about how she and her patients are adjusting to this new normal. Area hospitals are limiting the number of visitors. The Mount Sinai Health System is restricting access to visitors. Making it extra hard on families who are anxiously waiting. Daniela gets this new policy is necessary, but that does not mean it's benign. You know, I have a patient who got really sick before coronavirus, was on a vent and had really profound delirium and slowly has kind of come to. And I was talking to her this weekend and she was saying that she feels like she just woke up in this alternate universe that she keeps thinking, all right, there's no way that I have somehow come to in a world where there is a pandemic and my family can't visit. And she asks the nurses, like, is this true? And they say, yeah, that's true. And um, she says, huh, that she wishes she were delirious because this is just inconceivable. One of the, the things that makes her feel so sort of disjointed from the rest of the world is that she is lonely. And that could be weeks to possibly even months before she can see her family again. And not only does she has a hu- have a husband, she has a couple of little children. To her, it just feels like a sort of insane turn of events. Patient care has been turned upside down. These days, Daniela keeps her distance from patients she normally sees many times a day. When she does go into the room, it's with a mask that makes it harder to connect. And when she leaves the room, she worries about her patients being alone. Like one fairly young patient who, just a few days ago, wound up getting stuck in the hospital after a COVID scare. He ended up spiking a fever and needing some oxygen. So then the question was raised, does he have coronavirus? He has a fever, he has trouble breathing. Uh, and he gets taken, uh, rushed to the coronavirus ICU, over a bridge, through the, the hospital hallways, So they uh, rush him there and he's scared, you know, I came in for this outpatient procedure. Do I have coronavirus? By the time Daniela visits his room for the first time, her patient has had two tests come back negative for COVID, but he has an altogether different type of concern. His first question to me when I ask if there's anything I can do for him is if I have an iPhone charger, he hasn't talked to his family and nobody can come see him, and he needs to, to update people. 
Daniela's patient was not prepared for his minor outpatient procedure to morph into a major inpatient stay. He tells her he's been nursing his phone's battery life on airplane mode for hours, wanting to maintain some kind of connection. Feeling relieved about his condition, Daniela focuses on finding him a phone charger before leaving for the night. Overnight, his oxygen needs have increased more. He was breathing quickly, and it was clear that he was very sick. And so we made some changes to our antibiotics. I kept, you know, walking by uh, his room, and I watched his chest rising and falling from outside the door and watched his belly sort of moving as he worked to breathe. And then he gave me a thumbs up, like, I'm okay. And so I would feel a little bit reassured by that until a couple hours later he stopped giving me the thumbs up and, in fact, started asking me, you know, what is intubation? I'm really tired. I've been working really hard to breathe, and it wouldn't be the worst thing to have a break. And I explained to him that if we needed to put him on a ventilator, we would, um, but intubation comes with risks. The hope is the tube goes in, things get better, tube comes out. That's our hope. That's, that's what we do that for. But there are cases where tube comes in and it doesn't come out again. And I find myself thinking that if he ends up getting intubated, this could be the last time that he talks to his family. Hopefully not forever, but at least for a while. I've messed up many times. There are many people who, uh, over the course of being a doctor, that I've decided to intubate, and I have not taken that moment to give them time with their family. But on this day, um, for whatever reason, uh, perhaps because he had asked me for the phone charger the day before, uh, you know, we did pause. I asked him if he felt up to talking to his family or did he want us to talk to them. And so I dial the mother and um, she answers the phone and I start giving her some updates and she panics, you know, she, she starts to cry. She's scared and she tells me that she doesn't have anybody that she can turn to for comfort because she's scared of everybody. She doesn't want to get coronavirus. And so I find myself, you know, I'm reassuring her that, yes, we're doing the best for him. It'll be okay. And she tells me that with every prior hospital admission, she had been there, that she was always there. And now that she can't be there, it is just so hard. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you curious about what it's like working in healthcare today? Do you believe in the power of storytelling? I'm Dr. Emily Silverman, the host of the Nocturnist podcast, where healthcare workers share personal stories of joy, sorrow, and self-discovery. Each episode, whether a compelling performance from one of our live shows, an intimate series of audio diaries from one of our documentaries, or an engaging conversation with guests such as book authors or filmmakers, aims to connect, provoke, and inspire. Learn more at thenocturnist.com or subscribe to The Nocturnist wherever you get your podcasts.
Daniela thinks ahead to all of the other family members who, because of new COVID visiting policies, she'll be meeting for the first time by phone and under the worst circumstances. I think these policies are necessary. And I think for the families who are waiting at home, you know, by a phone, waiting for an update, desperate and scared. And then when that update comes, it's from somebody whose face they have never seen, who they can only just have blind trust that we're doing what we can for the person that they love. That's awful. I think it's an awful place to be in. And it's not that the whole family is together, you know, generally clustered around a phone, comforting each other. It's that people are spread out, you know, and nobody can travel to see each other. And so there's, there's just so much loneliness and fear. And so I brought the phone in, put him on speakerphone with uh, his family and, and left that phone with him and left the room and gave him that time to talk to them. And, um, you know, the oxygen, he was on high flow oxygen. It was like whooshing in the background and, um, they couldn't hear him all that well. Uh, and he couldn't hear them all that well, but there was that moment and that mattered. And, and it was a moment that I spent some time outside the door watching him thinking about the cases where... I thought of making a call and didn't. I can remember the cases where I deprive the patient of that last moment thinking, well, this is just a quick intubation for a procedure. It'll be fine. And then there was a catastrophic sequence of events where the person never woke up or the person died. And it's easy to lose that moment. After that, maybe the antibiotics started kicking in, maybe the little bit of fluid that we got off helped, but ultimately by the end of the day, he was actually breathing a little bit more comfortably. Ultimately, he never got intubated after all, but he'll be in the hospital for a while longer. And yeah, he got to talk to people on the phone, but but they wanted to be there at his bedside. And these are the sort of people who would have been there at his bedside and, and they weren't. And, and that's sad. He's going to have another lonely night, and it will be uh, one of many lonely nights to come. I'm Dan Gorenstein. This is Tradeoffs. We're all facing uncertainties as COVID-19 unfolds. We're human beings operating in an incredibly rapidly moving environment with imperfect information. I'm Dan Gorenstein, host of the podcast Tradeoffs, where we examine the complicated policy proposals to improve our healthcare system. Join us for our new series, Coronavirus Conversations. If this wave of infections comes to Philadelphia like it has in Italy, we're going to have to make some tough choices about how we care for patients where we talk with people who face hard choices with no easy answer in the face of the outbreak. We realized that we couldn't have enough business to open, so I made the decision to lay everybody off. Trade-offs. Now, dropping multiple episodes into your feed each week. 
We here at Tradeoffs want to learn more about what you need from us in these unprecedented times. So please take a few minutes to fill out the audience survey we've assembled. You can find a link in the show notes or go to tradeoffs.org slash survey. If you found today's episode or any of our coronavirus conversations helpful, interesting, leave us a rating on Apple Podcast and tell us about it or on whichever app you use. You can keep in touch with us between episodes by following us on Twitter at Tradeoffs Pod. Tradeoffs team is producers Ryan Levy and Vicki Stern, sound designer Andrew Perella, and editor Leslie Walker. The Tradeoffs theme song was composed by Ty Sitterman with additional music this week from Miscellaneous. Special thanks this week to Ashani Ganguly. Tradeoffs is supported in part by the California Healthcare Foundation, Arnold Ventures, and the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Additional support from the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics and the Center for Public Health Initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania. The views expressed in this episode are those of the individuals and not those of Tradeoffs staff, advisors, or funders. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 